I've been sharing with you in the last days of Jesus the personal encounters that he had. We kind of know the events, but I wanted to just really focus as we continue in this chronology of Jesus' life about these personal encounters, what was really going on. Let's go to Luke chapter 22 for just a minute. I want to begin reading in verse 66 at the end of Luke chapter 22. And as soon as it was day, Peter's betrayed him now and wept bitterly and all that has gone on. The elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and they led him into their council saying, Are you the Christ? Tell us. He said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. When I was studying this, especially in the appropriateness of the time of all that had transpired on Sunday, of such great things being spoken over individuals, we look at this as a moment coming from these harsh men who were determined to kill Jesus and to destroy anything about him, coming from a heart of religion, coming from a heart that was very tolerant of everything except the dynamic of God when it showed up. They were perfectly happy with church. They were perfectly happy with the way things went within the synagogue and the teachings that were done there. They just couldn't tolerate the the supernatural reality of Jesus. Now he's in front of them. He says, are you the Christ? I tell you, it's a statement right now that the religious world keeps shouting every single day. Are you the Christ? You could look at me and say, Randy, that's ridiculous. Every one of us believe he's the Christ. Well, not when you look at the life. Not when you look at the evidence of what's coming out of Christian hearts and what's coming out of Christian testimonies and coming out of the Christian witness. They don't believe he's the Christ. Do they believe something? Do they believe the the conceptual doctrines of God? Do they believe these things? Absolutely, they'll say they, they believe them all. But the question is, are you the Christ? Are you the one who's been doing these supernatural things? Are you the one who has been disrupting our religion? Are you the one who's come and kind of flipped things over in our world? He says, if I told you, you wouldn't believe me. I wonder how many things God has got to say. I wonder how many times he has to prove himself for us to gain assurance that he is the Christ. What will it take for us to be 100% convinced that I can hand my life, my trust, my faith into this person so that we don't have to keep protecting ourselves from the world, protecting ourselves from the outcomes, protecting ourselves from the relationships. You know, when will the day come? When will God be big enough? When will Christ be enough? And, and such a simple question, are you the Christ? And we say, of course we would say he is. That's not what's going on here. It's not what goes on in our hearts. Because, you know, I preached on this not too long ago. For most of us, the problems of our current situation have become larger, more dynamic, and have buried the God that we say that we trust. We can tell by the countenance of people, the heaviness that we carry, the burdens that we carry on a regular basis, we can testify within ourselves, my burden has become bigger than the God that I have my faith in. And we ask the question, are you the Christ? How many things had these Pharisees seen? We re, we, we've been in this chronologically going through the life of Jesus. And routinely, whether they're letting somebody down through the roof and Jesus says to them, your sins are forgiven. Who was there questioning what was being done? Who steps up and begins to challenge Jesus? The Pharisees. They were there. They witnessed this man lowered through the roof. His life totally transformed, 
gets up off that mat and walks, sins forgiven, brokenness healed. They were witnesses to that. And Jesus saying, if I told you, you wouldn't believe. The lepers, every story held within the scripture done under the review of the Pharisees, how much more would it take for those religious people to ever step into the reality and say that he is the Christ, to turn this around and say he must be the Christ? Jesus is saying, what possibly could I do now that would convince you that I'm the Christ? And here's the convicting part. Here's the dangerous part of this scripture. Let's go a little bit further. And if I also ask you, you won't answer me, nor let me go. He's saying, if I ask you, am I the Christ? You won't answer me. Is he the Christ in your life? Is he the supernatural evidence of the powerful God that we know and read about? In your life, in my life, is there a supernatural evidence that I've put my faith and trust in the one who's by his very nature is supernatural? It's a good question. Jesus said, if I were to ask you, if he were standing here tonight saying, am I the Christ? What would our answer be? Come back like a choir. Yes, certainly you're the Christ. So where's the evidence that you just said has anything behind it? Where's the evidence of that? Because I have spoken a destiny over you. Are you living in the greatness of what I have established? Are you living in the provision that I have given? Because most of us, and it it comes out in days like Sunday, most of us are just kind of living day to day. Never even dreaming that God has a destiny for us. Almost totally dismissing the reality of the destiny that he's spoken. You know, I'll tell you one of these things that they shared with me on Sunday, and this is one of hard for me to process. You heard them say that they they had anointed a certain number of generals across the face of the earth. And that was one of the things that happened in my office on Sunday morning. And I don't know exactly what that means. So my time has now got to be in the closet before the Lord saying, God, what is the destiny associated with that anointing? That became more real to me than everything else I could see. Just because I don't know exactly what it means. You know, David was anointed king. What did he do the next day? He tended sheep. What did he do the next day? He tended sheep. Because out there tending sheep, he'd got to kill the lion and the bear and knew who God was. So there was that uncircumcised Philistine, and he says, how dare you stand before the army of the God and say those things? Who are you to speak against God that way? What did he do? He stepped into his destiny. Not later when they finally put the, the crown on his head. He stepped into the reality of what God had established in that moment. If he was standing here, I believe with all my heart, he'd say, I, I wrote a story about you. Long before you were born, I wrote a story, and you ought to read it, because it is something. Where I have you, the expression of God that I want to display through you? Are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to even begin to approach the thought that maybe my life doesn't have to be wrapped up with a routine boredom of life? You know, I showed someone in my office this morning. There's a place on the equator, a physical place on the equator. I wish I could give you all the technical stuff about it, but where the two oceans come together. And it's called the doldrums, D-O-L-D-R-U-M-S, the doldrums. We use that word for like, eh, I'm kind of blah. You know what the connection of the doldrums is? You know what the unique physical characteristic is about that place? There is no wind. What creates the doldrums within our life? There is no wind. What's the wind picture? The move of the Holy Spirit. You're living in the doldrums. One reason. There's no move of the Spirit. It's just blah. It becomes routine. I don't know how this keeps from being the most exciting place you ever go in a week. And this ought to be the most exciting place because in this place are a group of people who are coming together for just a little while to share the experiences, what that happened to them in the past seven days, 
because of the excitement of what God has previously done. And, I, and I'm fixed to meet with a group of people who know exactly what I'm talking about. When I tell them about the dynamic of God within my life, there are going to be a group of people sitting there saying, yeah, I, I get it. I know what you're talking about. Happened to me too, let me tell you. It could be anything but exciting. But when there's no move of the wind, when there's no move of the Spirit, it's the doldrums. We go a little bit further and we'll conclude. Verse 69, this is Jesus' words. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou the Son of God? I mean, he just said it. Are you the Son of God? And he said unto them, You say that I am. I want to tell you the weight of that statement. He's saying, You keep calling me that. It's coming out of your mouth. If you didn't think I was, you would never ask me. If you knew I wasn't, I wouldn't be standing here. If you didn't have some suspicion that I'm the supernatural son of God, you wouldn't even be asking me this question. But by your statements, you're saying that I am. But you don't believe it. How many people sitting within churches, by their very presence, are saying, I believe you're the son of God. I just don't believe you're the son of God. I know you're the son of God. I just don't believe you're the son of God. Man, you can't have both. Yeah, I can. I can say you're the son of God. I can conceptually believe with all my heart that you're the son of God. I just don't believe it. I don't ever take that truth and apply it to my life so that I can say, I can trust you with my life. And whatever you tell me, I'll be obedient to. And I will step into the dynamic of the story you wrote because you wrote it. And I'm not going to live under the limitations of men anymore. I'm going to dream the biggest dreams that God will let me possibly dream. I'm going to step into the biggest things that God will ever allow me to step into. So I'm going to move according to the power of God, no matter where it takes me, no matter what I do. And I will not live in fear anymore. I'm not going to live in doubt anymore. I'm not going to live troubled anymore. I'm not going to live angry anymore. I'm not going to live empty anymore. One of the things that the very powerful lessons, and this will probably be a sermon coming very soon to the congregation that gathers on Sunday morning because it was so profound to me. Rhea had a cup off of my desk. She said, if, you, if this cup is full and you ever start ministering out of the cup, you're dead. Man, what did she just say? She said, you should never minister from within the cup. What was she telling me? If you start ministering from within the cup, that's my filling. That's my anointing. If, you st- if I ever start tapping into that, I will run myself dry. She said, you always have to minister out of the overflow so that you can stay full. That was profound. Because I have for several months been ministering from within the cup, wondering why I was so empty. Because what happens in those moments is you begin to give yourself away. It's what happens when you exercise too much. In that exercise, what damage will occur? It starts burning muscle. It'll start destroying you. We joke about this sometimes. I see people running here about this big around, and I want to pull up beside them and say, you're done. You, you can stop right here. I'll, matter of fact, I'll take you, and we'll get a piece of cake if you want to, but you're, but you're done. <laughs> if we minister from the cup, we'll start tearing ourselves up. Man, that was profound to me, because if you don't stay full of the Spirit and ministering from the overflow, then you're very, very dangerous ground. That was pretty profound to me, especially where I had found myself. He's got a group of people here who are absolutely the most religious people on the face of the earth at this time. They'll tell you about their great faith in God. They'll tell you about the law that they know. They'll tell you about the religion and about all that it's supposed to be. It sounds very familiar because we say the same words. We talk boldly of a God who loves us, boldly of a God who's powerful, boldly of a God who has authority. Our very testimony is convicting us. The words out of our mouth are convicting us because we're speaking of it. We just don't believe it to the point where we live 
what we say comes out of our mouth. And Jesus says, I'll tell you again who I am. You still won't believe me. But there were a whole lot of people when Jesus said something, Peter and James and John, that when Jesus said it, they believed it. How odd it was to lay down their nets and step into the destiny, leaving behind all they knew, step into the reality of the destiny that Jesus offered. He's asking us the same thing. Will you lay it down? All your fears, all your inhibitions, all your uncertainties, so that you can step into the destiny. Not sometime later. Lacey's right. There's urgency here. Don't know what's coming, but there's urgency here. When Rhea saw that flag over this place called Lubbock, she knew in that moment that Lubbock had uniqueness within the building of the kingdom and what was going to transpire next, especially in relationship to the things that come in America, that Lubbock's going to be a unique place. And she saw it so clearly. It's been verified and validated so many times. But the reality is still the same. We better be ready. Do my part. Step into my destiny. You step into yours, and an army will build. That was unbelievable. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage and this encounter because it just speaks to us. We know very well that we have testified many, many times by our actions, by our attendance, that, that you are God. We just don't really act like you're supernatural anymore. We don't really act like you talk anymore or that you equip anymore or that you're valid within the world anymore. We live in fear of what the world's going to do, not ever evaluating the enormity of our God. We just keep processing the problems in the world. We keep seeing all the people who need to be fed, keep offering minor solutions like, do you want me to go buy something or send them away so they can get something and nobody ever quite recognizing that the Son of God is standing here in front of us. We keep assessing the size of the problems in the world and fail to recognize the enormity of the God who spoke all of this into existence. And I pray, Lord, that that day will change in all our hearts, that you become the big God that you are again, full of supernatural power, full of love, full of mercy, full of goodness, full of a willingness to demonstrate yourself before us, to bring us in faith and to into a love relationship with you. Let that begin to shift in us tonight, Lord. Let us begin again. Let's start over and say, Lord, I love you, and I put my trust and my faith in you to be God again, big, full, complete. Let us live. Let our testimonies be the witness of the fact that we have had a new beginning. Let there be boldness in it. Step into our destiny. In Jesus' name, amen.